Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Yep. We're, we're traveling Febru- back in time. February of 1989. Ooh, yeah. Hey, everyone. Hello. My name is David Bell. My name Genuinely forgot. It's Tom Ryan. Mmm. <laughs> this morning. It's morning, folks. And we just watched <laughs> The Burbs. The Boibs. The Boibs. The Boibs. It's got one of them little dashes before Deverbs. the B. Deverbs. Spend a quiet week at home with Tom Hanks in The Burbs. It's a comedy about what happens to an ordinary neighborhood when a very unordinary family moves in. This is a ah. this is a big movie for me as a kid, and just in terms of we it got watched a lot in my house. Um, and Samesies. I I did not understand that The Burbs was an abbreviation for the suburbs for a very long time. Okay, so I legitimately might be right there with you. Um, hey, we're stupid. We were stupid kids. That's what's what, what's what I'm hearing. I don't think it clicked until I was a teenager and revisited it. Ooh, that's a shame. Yeah. Well, I just, you um, know. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, Vincent. Hey, Vincent, Vincent. With a Y. Thank you so much for having us watch The Burbs, a movie. Yeah, we have both seen many, many, many times. Yeah, this is like having us watch like Clue, right? Where it's like, oh, I've seen this on Comedy Central and uh, every channel. I've seen it on VHS. It's not, it's not, it's not quite the same as Clue, but no. yeah. Um, but yeah, Vincent, thank you so much. Vince is our Patreon producer who yes. ordered us to watch this movie. Commanded yeah. us. Yeah, this Tom Hanks uh, movie that was filmed during the 1988 writer's strike, I learned. They had, okay. they just They were just finishing the script as the strike started. Um, so there's a lot of improv on set, is what I read. I see. Okay, yeah, you can kind of tell. Yeah. Not necessarily was, um, in a bad way, but like the... Well, in some, anyway, we'll get to it. Yeah. This is from a. This is. I was gonna say a weird era in comedy. I realized every era is kind of weird am, era. This is the same year as Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, you know, it's got that Edward Scissorhands vibe, right? Haunted House in Suburbia. Uh, yeah, who is it was the real monster. Yeah, it's a real cul de sac concept. It's yeah, real cul de sac paranoia. It's almost like a fifties Cold War movie. Um, it's yeah. a, it's a lot like. Um, Oh, I forget the. There's a very famous Twilight Zone episode uh, where it's it's just about like a cul-de-sac, and they think one of them, one of the people there, is an alien. Uh, I yes. mean, it's it's a it's a it's a theme they did a lot, but like this is very much Joe Dante, who's the director, the director of Gremlins and Matinee and a bunch of other things you've probably seen if you're a, only those two <laughs> a horror person. Small Soldiers, uh, American <laughs> Werewolf, right? No, that's Landis. Uh, werewolf is Landis. Yeah. Um, uh, howling, Landis, howling. Yeah. Right. 
Um, <clears throat> um, yeah, and it's yeah. it's Thomas Hanks. Yeah, so it's it's the point was is it feels very much like a drive-in '50s movie done through the lens of 1980s comedy. That sort of like weird, like you were saying. There, there was a, there's a lot, there's always a lot of like sub periods of each genre uh, in, a, in a, any given decade or whatever. And like one of the yeah. weird 80s ones was like sort of uh, like kind of like the um, high concept uh, kind of macabre, uh, yes. you know, like Ghostbusters and like uh, um, this movie and Gremlins and, uh, you know, a lot of Joe Dante stuff, actually. Uh, and so this For is like sure. very firmly one of those movies. Yes. Um, and it's got it's pretty stacked. It's got Corey Feldman, Carrie Fisher, um, Bruce, Bruce Dern, Bruce Dern. Yeah, it um, it's a it's a lot. It's a lot. And a, bu- I a bunch of a bunch movie. of Joe, Joe Dante regulars like Rick Ducoman is the sidekick neighbor, and then of course Dick Miller and Robert Picardo have cameos as garbage men. I was about to say they are both in Star Trek. Um, Dick Miller is um, in the famous DS9 episode where they go back to 2024 and they're like, uh, can you imagine homeless camps? And I'm like, yes, I can. Sure can. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, he's in that. He plays a guard. And then Robert Picardo is, of course, in Voyager. Obviously, he's the doctor. Yeah, that was one moment I, I hadn't thought about and w- because I've watched a lot of Voyager and DS9 since rewatching this. And I was sitting there with Hana and I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> they showed up. It's like, what are they doing in this? Well, he, he used to be just kind of like a Joe Dante regular. Like after yeah. he plays the main werewolf in The Howling and then Joe Dante would just kind of stick him in his movies. Yeah, like, I think he's in Gre- like a, a bunch of these people are in Gremlins 2 as well. Yeah, I have been where they filmed this. I didn't realize that. Um, right, it's supposed uh, to be in the Midwest. It's they like zoom in on the United States map in the beginning to show yeah. like we're like I don't know in Michigan or maybe Wisconsin or or Illinois, but it's very yeah. clearly Los Angeles. Oh yeah, more like zoom onto the Universal backlot. This yeah. is the Universal. So Universal Studios and I worked there for a bit. They have a cul-de-sac um, that they literally just have for, um, you know, filming Movies. like it's a, the it's Gilmore a Girls yeah. or whatever. Um, was shot at this same cul-de-sac. Wasn't the Desperate Housewives filmed? Oh, no, That's or, the one. That's the one I'm thinking of. Desperate Housewives, yeah. I think. The Munsters, the house that the um, the the neighbor. I forget this actor's name. The one we haven't mentioned. The third neighbor, uh, the little motherfucker who gets electrocuted. His house, I believe, is the Munsters' house. Uh, it's um, Rick Coleman. Yeah, it's it's a real. It's one of those movies that it sounded like it was probably it. Like what I was reading about it is, it sounded like they had a lot of fun filming it. And I think one of the reasons why is probably because they just drove into the Universal backlot every day to this like little exclusive suburb. They didn't have to deal with locals. They didn't have to deal with you know anything. It's just like yeah, this is our playground, you know. And it all takes place in this one cul-de-sac. Yep, it Um, never leaves the cul-de-sac. Yeah. In terms of tone, so I was, I kept, I, I had this thing where I was like, well, this here is such we, a weird... We haven't said, we're six minutes in. How do you like this movie, Dave? Oh, I, I mean, I, that's a hard question. It's always been it here is. with me. Yeah. I, I like it. It's always been there I, for me. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I like it because what else would I do? You know, <laughs> like, I grew up with this movie. Yeah, um, So, fair. yeah, I like this movie. I recognize... That this movie was, um, it's a cult classic, meaning that it was not well liked at the time. No. And I recognize that this movie fails. Yes, it um, does. Mainly, this is one of two movies that Tom Hanks made about how the satanic panic is right. And that's weird, right? That he's made two? A little strange. That's 
that's the wildest thing about this movie. I think I I do still yeah. I do still like this movie, and I do think it's kind of good in spite of itself because I think this is probably the best Joe Dante's direction has ever been. Oh yeah, and I actually so we'll we should talk about the ending for sure. I'm the ending sure we'll is the ending it. is really where it. Uh, I mean, there's problems throughout. Like the one of the biggest problems of the movie is the main characters are aggressively unlikable, but yeah. That's working toward a purpose in the end uh, towards what I feel like must have been the original ending where Tom Hanks has the meltdown and melts down on his neighbors where he's like, we're the yeah. fucking freaks. We're the monsters. We're the yeah, monsters. We are legend. Like the movie was clearly building towards that. Right. They're slowly destroying these people's house and their yeah. neighborhood and the under neighborhood. the xenophobia and yeah. suspicion. I want to note something. So like this is, it feels like it's of an era and I, I, I want to note that, yeah, this type of comedy has always existed to the point that I realized that this is a reverse what we do in the shadows. Like, this is basically what we do in the shadows, but from the neighbors. Pers- what we do in the shadows is a group of vampires in this creepy house in a regular neighborhood. And the neighbors oh, are you're clueless, right? right? Yeah, yeah you're right. in this one, it it's a group of creeps and the neighbors aren't clueless. And it's from the neighbor's perspective. I just think that's interesting is that you look at comedy now and you're like, it's not that much different. The weird shit we choose to explore. Like, um, like this feels like such a weird idea. And then you think about comedy in general, like it's always been weird shit like this and it always will be. Yeah. And I, I think this movie, I don't know if this is true, but I think this movie is one of those movies that like, if we didn't get this movie, maybe we didn't get what we do in the shadows, you know, maybe this is I paving think, the way to for a de- those. To a degree. I yeah. think there's a more direct connection between something like Fright Night and what we do in the shadows. That, this is, this is close to Fright Night, but the vibe is a little different because like, Fright Night, it's not a mystery, right? He's explicitly a vampire. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> so. And sometimes he's Colin Farrell. Occasionally he's Colin Farrell, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This it, one uh, is more about the mystery and the suspicion. We covered a movie not too long ago called Bug. And I just sure need to did, point Dave. out that this is, it literally starts the same way. Bug started with a pull a helicopter shot showing look how isolated they are mm-hmm. this starts with uh, the the mother of all helicopter shots starting from space from space from the show, universal like, logo yeah they're they're showing like they are in the middle of nowhere they're middle america so dave sub- hold on hold on just real quick just real quick so that means canonically this takes place on the universal logo oh you're right it does so there's a few other movies that do Waterworld. Got it. Doom. Got it. Yeah, this all checks out. Like, <laughs> yeah. but, like this Doom. Wa- it, it, this movie, then Doom, then Waterworld in order of what happened, right? Yes. Because I assume Doom, they were on their way to Waterworld. Yeah. There's more. Isn't the mummy? Uh, oh no, that's like the logo turns into the sun or something. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's more a like different... a fade. Yeah, it's a fade. Yeah. Like yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty, it's pretty chill. There, are, there are definitely more. These are just the oh, ones yeah. that are immediately popping off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so oh, keep track I, of that canon. The the, the number yeah, of movies Google that takes it. place within the Universal logo. That's pretty great. They never talk about how the word Universal is rotating them. No, and I feel like they should. And that music um, must be loud as fuck. I know. Every morning, bah, 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 yeah. bah, bah, and you're like, ah, but just like fuck. so that it can be heard across the globe. Yeah, like whales yeah, echoing, hear that shit. 
Yeah, like the fucking rapture. You yeah, know, like, yeah. It's, 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 it's that's what that's what they were writing about. That's the yeah. that's the trumpet. It's just the fucking universal tag. <laughs> yeah, it's just the first note, yeah. and it's just, it <laughs> takes so long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh amazing we just made we just made yeah. lore that's what's happening uh, at the end of red state dave yeah it's the universal logo you're right it's the universal logo firing <laughs> up signaling a new day oh fuck um <laughs> but yeah bug and this similar films because they're both about isolated bored people <clears throat> who yeah. start forming conspiracies yeah and it's it's you know about like the the whole story about the ice cream guy who snaps mm-hmm. and the realization we're that we're, we're that the guy. people who we're snap. that guy like that guy didn't yeah that's man there's so many good spots of direction um and when uh rick Dukoman art uh the really just insufferable neighbor character uh is yeah. telling this story is one of the better scenes of skip and it, yeah yeah, when he's telling the story about Skip, the 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 soda jerk, the ice cream fountain guy who went crazy back in the fifties and murdered his whole family, and but the it, the direction of the scene where he's telling the story is so good, and it really isn't much. It's just like it just kind of reminds me of like oh, remember when they'd let a scene breathe? Because like they don't cut yeah. around; they just let the it's all it's all in the strength of the actor's performance of the story, and it's um. Man, I just really, I really love Joe Dante's direction in this movie. That's just one he's scene. Real, like, it's really good. The music having, too. The music is great. It's Jerry Goldsmith. Um, but yeah, like, you know, he just lets that scene breathe and lets it just be about a guy telling a scary story. And it's so like classic horror. Like he's really right. having fun with classic horror in this movie. All the, right. all like the shadow, like the silhouette shots, and like all of the, the, the lightning illuminating things, and just like the different shots of of people peeking out their windows uh, uh, looking yeah. at stuff and uh, like people digging holes in the rain and shit it's it's all very very 50s camp like very 50s drive-in oh absolutely by the way jerry goldsmith you might know from the universal uh pictures theme oh no shit yeah <laughs> yeah he, d- he did the, the, the I feel horn. Like, <laughs> i think i feel like i did know that in the bottom yeah. of my brain yeah 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 he's been you know he's fucking He's been around the block. Um, yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Rest, no, it's, rest in it's, power, Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, yeah. One imagines he's dead, right? If he's done he, the he, Universal thing. He is. Yeah, he yeah, is. That's passed. an old motherfucker. He did the Star um, Trek, Dave. You know this. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. He did TNG. <laughs> and, oh, I know. I know me some Ger- Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, the Omen. Um, yep. God, he's so good. Um, Batman Forever? Oh my fucking god! Yeah, and the burbs, <laughs> and, and the he's burbs. doing it wonderfully because it's it's like the organ creepy music, which I always love. I always love that music when it's done, even like, um, seriously, like non-ironically, um, like the weird reference, the House on Haunted Hill remake, like the opening theme has like organ music, and oh, yeah. it's like. And it's like, I love it when they're, because it is, I think, a creepy instrument. And I know it's overdone as a horror instrument, obviously, but it's overdone because in my mind, it works. It's effective. Yeah. Yeah. This movie creeped me out as a kid. Obviously, like, you know, when well, yeah, you're a dumb a little, little creepy, kid, that, yeah. that dream sequence. When the he's dream watching, sequence is fucked. Yeah. Yeah. When he's watching the television playing, apparently they're having just an awesome marathon where in one channel they're playing The Exorcist and the next they're playing fucking Texas Chainsaw 2. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Good oh, night. Yeah. Good night yeah, for it's TV. Just, it's just like Joe Dante showing all of his 
buds horror yeah, oh, yeah. movies. I mean, I, he, but, I don't know if he's friends with William Friedkin, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, but, like, might as well shout it out. It's also the yeah. theme. You know, like, right, they like put up every, Mr. Rogers. Right, ev- almost um, every time a TV is on, it's a horror movie, or it's a movie about, like, suspicion. Right. Except and or then Mr. the ones Rogers, or it's Mr. Rogers, yeah. But Mr. Rogers is literally about accepting the people in your neighborhood. Yes, yeah. D- despite where they come from. Mr. Rogers is famously, you know, civil rights and st- shit like that where he like, you know, the he was all about accepting someone no matter what and this movie is about being weirded out by, you know, f- weird foreign people basically is is well, the idea. With, with the exception it's of that middle class suburban fear, you know. Getting spun up by the media. Like it's yeah. the, the media aspect is real subtle in this, but it, you know, obviously the cold war, it was made in 88. Uh, it had to have been because it released in February of 89. Um, right. And the, we're still in the cold war at that point, or, or we're, we're just coming out of it. But like, obviously this was written. So it still feels like a cold war thing. All that suspicion and paranoia is in there. So that's really the main focus, but the, the media stuff is real subtle with the um, horror movies on in the background all the time. Oh Yeah. And then they they make them children, right? They they do a bunch of parts where they're like competing lawns. Have I showed you my tools, like toys? The obviously the part where it's like, can he come out and play? They're well, and then hanging they'll... out with Corey Feldman. There, his son is the one who like spins them off. Like the son is like, I saw them in the backyard. So it's like they generally act like kids. There's um, one point there's... where they're walking up. It's it's Art and um, Hanks are walking up the door to talk to the Clopex and Bruce Stern points out they're literally daring each other to go ring the doorbell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and of course their wives are like stand-ins for their mothers. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would say the, they, I know what they were trying to do, but I do think that's one of the reasons this kind of like, is like, eh, this is the women are like a little too clueless. Um, I would say in this like carrie fisher i'm like come on it's carrie fisher she knows better than this but um you know that like it's kind of part of the fable of it all i think is um what they're trying to do there um but it's this endless rubbernecking right where it's like they're rubbernecking the neighbors and then their neighbors are rubbernecking them Corey feldman is having a party to show so it's this boredom upon boredom yeah it's like all these like boredom inception (laughs) like layers of boredom and they're all just like rubbernecking the neighbors and they're all acting like little kids and they've just spun themselves out into this um, paranoia. Um, yeah, this, I, this by the fantasy, way, the, the part this like they, summertime yeah. fantasy that kids invent when they're off of school. Like Tom, it, exactly. The movie starts with Tom Hanks is taking a vacation and he's just spending it at home. Yeah. And Carrie Fisher is like, the, we should go away to the lake because if you're just sitting here, you're just going to get obsessed about something yeah and he's like no of course not and then sure enough the part where they're like can he come out and she says he won't come out until he resembles the man i married and the answer carol we don't have that kind of time is a great by the way just great line <laughs> there's some good it's there's so some genuine. good lines in this there's some good lines in oh, this, yeah. and a lot of it do, does feel like improv well yeah the the one that got that i learned was um uh improv that i really love is tom hanks getting on the gurney at the end oh like, you can tell like, that was you could tell that yeah was. this is great and they the camera just follows him like he he yeah. he, 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 he lays on the gurney he's like i've, yeah, I've been blown like he's I had it to the hospital. i've been I'm blown up i want to go to the hospital and nobody comes so he gets off the gurney and picks it up and throws it into the ambulance and jumps on yeah. it and the camera <laughs> stays so with good. him yeah 
But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's so like it's so erratic, and it's probably like because those things are heavier than you think. Oh so, yeah, like, he it, probably hurt himself. He, he probably <laughs> it, he almost certainly hurt himself. So it's like yeah. the, he does it so violently that's like there's no way they like okayed this before he did it. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> And again, no writers. Um, the writer couldn't be there on set, obviously. He does have so a cameo, just, uh, apparently. Oh, no shit. But yeah. yeah, it wasn't a SAG strike, so. You could cameo. Like, it seems like it, was, it wasn't like, I don't know how this writer strike went, but clearly this wasn't made through bitterness, you know? And that's usually how it goes, right? It's the studios they're striking against, not yeah. the fucking actors and directors. And the workers, um, like all the. Yeah, so it sounded like they people. had a good time so yeah. yeah like it's it's this general idea of this this paranoia bored summer nights it's very nostalgic even though i never oh, grew yeah. up in a suburb suburb it's like these oh, warm did, summer yeah. nights they're outside they're having a great time and it's just like that's a big part and also because you know i i um what i <sighs> shit oh i saw this as a kid too so it's nostalgic yeah. yeah um and then the neighbors what i love is that the escalation when you realize like the first thing they see that convinces tom hanks is is the neighbor who is by the way the kid from children of the corn i didn't realize that that's fucking the main kid in children of the corn oh um, elias i can't remember yeah yeah something yeah like, something like that um he comes out to take out the trash and he drives the car to, to the end of the driveway and then smacks the trash and the music is making it look really sinister when you think about it it's definitely weird but he literally tom hanks says i've never seen that before yeah. and i love that like that's the convincing thing because it's showing that it's like like i've they never seen done... i've never seen this before therefore anything you've been saying is possible exactly it, yeah. and it's like what you're seeing is just weird but it's right, it's not, just kind of weird. But it yeah, could, it could be anything. Maybe the, maybe the guy has a back problem and can't carry the trash to the curb. And right. yeah, maybe he was maybe, just overly yeah. enthusiastic about smashing the garbage down, but it does have maybe to be in the can or night. else. Yeah, could be having a bad night. It does have to be in the can or else they won't pick it up. Yeah, exactly. And um, of course, they start yeah. losing their mind. They jump yeah. trash in front of their house. They later tear their wallpaper, and they ultimately blow up their house. They break into uh, the house and blow up the house, yeah. Yeah, they're victimizing these people. There's another similarity to Bug, by the way. Um, his neighbor says to him early on, he says, once they get in your head, it's over. And it reminds me very much of Michael Shannon claiming there are bugs in his head. Because you realize, like, oh yeah, I guess there are. They are in your head, just not in the way. Right in you're the literal. Thinking. It's funny that we're doing like kind of a co-discussion of bug here, but like in the literal sense that a bug is a thing that starts as a minor annoyance, but then becomes a point of obsession uh, to the to the point where you know it's a trope where you're like destroy yourself to get rid of this minor annoyance. Right, and so um, there, or this yeah. thing you just can't let go of. Yeah, so they're so, yeah. setting it all up. Like, they're in your head. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, they are in his head. He can't get over the fact that they're weird. Um, and then, of course, he watches Exorcist Chase, Texas Chainsaw, has the, the dream the with Satan is our pal chant. Yeah, and a chainsaw. Yeah, and the little dog axe, I love. Yeah, um, the little, with the little dog had a little axe in its head, too. was really yeah. funny. 
And at this point, their neighbor is missing, and he's an old man, and they just assume they killed him. And this is where he leaves the I have your dog note, which is always funny. Um, Oh, yeah. Walter, I have your dog. (laughs) And then at the end of the movie, they're like, you left this man a ransom note for his dog. (laughs) So good. Because in the the moment, he's just trying to write a note explaining himself. Explaining where the dog is, right? Because the dog is loose. Every explanation makes them sound like like maniacs like, yeah. maniacs so then walter i have your dog and you know at the time you're like well that makes you sound even more like a maniac um uh and so yeah it's this like snowball because they're like we think they killed walter because there's um they find his wig his rug later and his mail and like you you can again if you stop for a second go maybe they're collecting his mail for him <laughs> um uh like neighborly maybe they're being neighborly uh and so like all this shit has obvious explanations that they're just skipping over uh and it's just spinning out of control and we just get so much fun and games with them and i actually think this is one of the problems of the movie it kind of meanders oh, like yeah. it's kind it's, of for it's, a while it's, it's, it's just, very f- it's very formless yeah it's kind of just like them spying on the neighbors and it doesn't it kind of escalates but not much like in like i think in the halfway point or even the thir- first act like th- at one point they go over and they have you know they meet them that's and the halfway kind of, point that's 45 yeah. minutes in yeah. and it's kind of like very slow where it's like they just keep sneaking it, in it looking feels over like when you pointed out that it was made during a writer's strike it, it kind of feels like first drafty where they're trying to yeah not too much but they it's enough of stuff where it feels like they're just kind of spinning their wheels or they don't really have a because because like i said the movie feels very a little bit formless it it does right seem to just kind of go from like okay and then this happens and then this happens until it ultimately is like they break into their house they break into their house the day after they go over and meet them and that's the finale like the the break-in is the mm-hmm. end of the film like the break-in yeah. escalates to them trying to dig up the basement and tom hanks hits a gas line and blows up the house and that's the end yeah, it's kind of like so a, a comparison in my mind is um Sandlot if 90% of the movie was them trying to get the ball. Does that make sense where it's like Sandlot knew we can't have the whole movie be them trying to get the ball. And so when you watch the movie you realize like oh the, it's a coming of age. It's first this kid trying to get be a part of this group, learning about baseball, then playing baseball. Um you know like and then you have the beast legend and I think the ball stuff only happens like halfway um it's around like act two yeah it's um yeah although if you remember they sold they foreshadow the, it they well they sold the sandlot like the commercials made it seem like the entire movie was going to be that like they tried to make right. it seem like it was going to be a bunch of kids trying to home alone a big dog to get their ball right back. but i think they knew you can't make a whole movie because it's like how many attempts are we going to get you know and this movie feels like the opposite where it's like it's almost all of them just like ah we got to get in there we got to get in there and like we got to find out what's going on let's let's like they knock on the door the bees come um they go they like they do the note and the note gets thrown back i feel like they break in they go to visit and while the other one breaks in and then they finally break in and it's just like attempt after attempt um so it just feels, yeah, it feels very repetitive and meandering. Um, they should have known they're on the level. The mo- the dog is so well-groomed. They're big fucking Great Dane. I was like, that's not an evil dog. But, <laughs> it looks too nice. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, finally they blow up their house. Um, and um, 
they uh basically we get this ending where they're like no these are very well respected professors like i know the guy has nazi face i looked up the actor who plays the main like ghoul yeah he is play he has absolutely played nazis before because he's he has nazi face like isn't he the nazi in the blues brothers yeah i think so yeah um he just you know that's why they use them um but like they turn out to be very respected and the idea is like no in the end you know the monsters were tom hanks and all these suburbanites but then the movie does something and i mean everybody should have been the ending well here's the problem because if that was the ending that actually kind of sucks too like that that was the thing that i I ran into watching this it may or may not have sucked but like it at least was the ending to the movie that we had been watching like that was what it was clearly building towards Mm -hmm. the problem is that um like i think what it is is that like you watch this movie and you're like it's kind of meandering you know if you if you don't like the 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 charisma of the actors and any of the jokes then you're not going to like this movie period right it's just them doing this thing over and over again and you know the whole time like they're the assholes right like they're being assholes yeah and so at the end when he's like no don't you get we're assholes and then if the movie ended you'd be like well what why did i watch that (laughs) like i don't know um it's like there's it's almost like one of them needs to become you know yeah but it's almost like one of them needs to get so obsessive that they become a villain and there's a final like it feels like there needs to be a final confrontation still and that was the thing is like maybe if one of the neighbors got so obsessive that they had to like fight off that neighbor if he became skip essentially like actually start killing people or something um but it feels like i can see them looking at that script and going like and then what and they probably didn't mean to but they were probably like so what where does this go how can we like punctuate this and they're like oh i got it what if they actually are evil um and it undercuts everything the entire movie yeah i wonder if a lot of that argue is funny and nihilistic like you could argue like oh yeah they're doing it because fuck it we're making a comedy um and this became a cult classic but you like you can sort of see why people watching would be like, what the fuck is happening here? You know? Yeah. It's, um, I feel like it's sort of trapped by its rating too, because it's PG. So it's like, right. if, if they wanted to do this thing that you suggest where it gets to the point where one of them gets so obsessive that he, that they actually start murdering people, it would obviously be art. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Depending on how they do. It. I mean, in this one, well, they, like do, the way, they, like, ha- well, they have a trunk full of skulls. Like they clearly have murdered people. Yeah. But I mean, like if you were going to do that ending, like it, you could have had it be like, well, cause like the whole thing is like art art's wife is gone for the week visiting her sister. So like, what, right. what if you found out that he had murdered her? Just right. like, yeah, just yeah. like skip, you know, the story he told them. And in point of right. fact, art appears as skip and Tom Hanks's dream. Yeah, if they go to Art's house and there's a skeleton in there, you know, and it's like, oh, have you met my wife? Like, he doesn't even know she's, or like, act like she's dead or something. Yeah. Where you realize this whole movie, he's been cracked. Like, he's just completely fucked. Right, he's been gassing him up about these kind of weird, but otherwise fine people. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, I feel like that, that's, you couldn't get away with that with a PG. So I feel like building it towards the, well, the natural it, it, ending where it's just like oh this is we we, we were the uh what manner of monster is man um it does sort of kind of 
peter out, but like... I think you could, though, because if you did a skeleton, because again, trunk full of skulls happens in this movie, right? So That's if it was true. just like a skeleton, like is, like is Psycho R-rated, you know? Um, I actually don't know. It's probably... It's pr- I mean... It's I not know, not. I mean, it's... <laughs> I forget what it's rated, but it was like... I think This it was... was back in the day where we didn't have PG-13, right? No, and I think we didn't even have like PG or R at that point. I think like... Oh, yeah, I don't think psycho has a rating i think psycho was just sort of like mature or restricted or something they're like you know don't it was rated don't yeah you know don't don't do it don't do it i'm sure it has a rating now hold on yeah yeah, it must i'm i'm i am being what are we doing here dave what are we doing we're making a podcast can we get on uh yeah it's our it's rare um which is funny because it doesn't feel hard to me um but the point is that like Jaws is PG, like they could they could make they could do something in this, I think. And I, I honestly really like the ending now where Art has been like a murderer the whole time. Like that's that's very funny to me. Yeah. As an ending. And it makes it it punctuates it correctly. Right. But by being like, oh, yeah, the neighbors were, in fact, bad. Um and then it's just really like just, him at the yeah. end, like, don't mess with suburbanites. And it's like, I feel like this completely undercuts everything really, you just showed us. The ending is so... And then, like, Corey Feldman looks right into the camera and says, I love this street. It's, yeah. man, this, this ending is like... He pulls a Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and breaks the fourth wall in the last shot. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's a weird it's ending. Weird. It's, it's, it's a, a weird... weird instinct. Yeah, I, I, so I think what they were trying to do is comically undercut it, meaning that I've seen movies and sh- shows do this, right? Like, I feel like South Park has done this a bunch of times where they, you know, um, where they are like, oh, that's a stereotype. That can't be right. And then, of course, it ends up being one. South Park, I would say, doesn't do it great. Um, but, like, that's, that's a comedy beat, right? That's a thing where it's like, just because someone is foreign doesn't make them evil, and then it's sure enough they're evil. But if they land into that, maybe, you know, like, then, you know, they maybe if it was like, oh, yeah, but, like, we still learned our lesson. You know what I mean? Like, they should, the problem is they don't learn the lesson, too. They just go, oh, okay, Tom Hanks is freak out what he was wrong. Yeah, we were totally right. <laughs> yeah. We were actually totally right this whole time. Yeah. And then, and, and it's like, it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird, it's weird without anybody pushing back, right? Without like Carrie Fisher saying like, no, you're not right. Like, no, like, like you statistically you're not yeah, right. Yeah, this, this, this should not have happened. Yeah, exactly. Like I could see a version where they're right, where it's still pointed out that like, no, they, sh- they shouldn't be right. Um, but it does feel to me like they, they weren't, like we said, they, there wasn't enough like they wrote a draft maybe two and then they were just off to the races and then it didn't matter you know the improv they weren't going to improv entire new scenes they're going to improv little jokes so yeah. that's what they did mm-hmm. um but it does be, feel I wouldn't like be surprised if that was the case yeah it's it's just interesting because it just doesn't quite feel done the movie it, it it's it's like a little off and at the time according to interviews that I was reading like with the director with the Joe Dante and stuff when it failed they didn't think much of it they were just like yeah you know people make movies they fail because yeah they're not wrong and he moved on you know he was like all right next project that didn't work and then it became a cult class cult classic 
and I'm wondering why it became a cult classic. And I'm, I, I, it's like a chicken or the egg, which is like, at the start of this, you asked if I liked it. And I don't think I asked you, did you like it? Do you like this film? Oh, yeah, I answered that. I, 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 oh, okay. I still like this film, and it's because I like, I think Joe Dante's direction is so good in it. Yeah. But yeah, that's the question. It's like, do I like this film because I just know this film? Because this film was thrust upon me? Or because I didn't seek it out. Did you seek it out? No, no, no. This film was foisted upon me by my parents. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So like something happened where this became a cult classic and I don't know quite know what, right? Like at some point our generation was shown it Mm -hmm. for some reason (laughs) by a bunch of irresponsible adults. And it feels like it's our generation who grew up being like, yeah, the burbs is great. Um, and maybe it's because we weren't old enough to think about how weird the message was until we were older. And by the time we're older, we're like, well, I love the movie. So Yeah, it's already in there. Um, what am I going to do? Yeah, it's like Ghostbusters where you grow up and you're like, wait, the EPA the is EPA bad The EPA is the bad guy? <laughs> yeah, that's the EPA ruining small businesses. Huh. That's a weird message. Um, but it's too late. You're like, oh, I love that movie. So yeah. And I, I would like to think that I would brush that aside if I was an adult. Like, yeah, it's silly, but it's a good movie. So uh, I feel like I'm just like now trying to identify, like, why did this movie become a cult hit? I think just because it was such a lovingly made homage to those old kinds of movies it really does have a lot of talent like yeah Joe Dante it is, this is, is a very well made movie it's just the script is pretty weak it really is i i also think tom hanks you know got famouser after this like he was famous at the time oh yeah but this era of tom hanks is really interesting to it's me it's a different era he's an asshole in this era Right, like, this he played is like, David Spade type characters in this era. It's so weird because it's like I was gonna say it's like Paul Rudd, where it's like then he eventually became famous. He still didn't become famous enough. It's like if Paul Rudd became Tom Cruise famous, right? Like that's what we're talking about. Yeah, is like true, yeah, yeah, like he was a Paul Rudd type in this era. Um, uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah, like you could easily see if you had to remake Joe vs. the Volcano, you could stick Paul Rudd in there. If you had to remake The Burbs, you could stick Paul Rudd in there. Um, and then it's just like he exploded, and so probably everything. But at the same time, it's not like you know all early Tom Hanks movies exploded. But no. I think it's I think it's that combination of he elevated it, and then Joe Dante, yeah, is doing an amazing job. The here. whole cast is is in general pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's always I know Bruce Dern is in this. It always <laughs> feels weird that he's in this. <laughs> he's pretty great in it. He is. He's uh, terrific. That scene where they're yeah in their house and he's like interrogating him. Yeah, like the family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's just yeah, it's a very I don't know. It I I, I wonder if it's also like. We just like our humor aligned more with this movie. Yeah, it's odd. I, it's left of center for sure. Um, it's it doesn't go for big laughs really. Like it's it's like there's a couple of laugh out loud moments, but mostly it's about like just kind of vibe and situation and like the chemistry of the characters in in this ridiculous situation. Right. That I think is where most of the humor comes from rather than like really great lines. 
Yeah, it's it's mostly like charisma and moments where you're just yeah. like, oh, that's funny. And it's like, why is it funny? Like, I can't really retell most of the jokes in this, right? Like, they're not... It's just, it's the situation. It's seeing three yeah. middle-aged men behave like kids on bikes in the summertime. Yeah. Like, convinced their their neighbor is a vampire. Right. There's like, there's like a little element of like, we've all kind of known a version of these people. Oh, yeah. A version. Like, we know the vibes. We're all familiar with the vibes of what we're seeing here. Um, this, yeah, this weird, you know, paranoia and yeah, these middle-aged men hitting this crisis and then fucking um losing their shit it's just like i yeah i can definitely see in a bubble like not like looking at this film and being like this is fucking weird you know yeah it is a weird movie yeah and i'm looking at the writer and i'm like oh yeah i mean i guess this is kind of about the people around it because this is the writer of george of the jungle and inspector gadget two movies i would argue did not have burbs level fame memoirs of an invisible man Oof. um yeah so it's like okay so it's not really the writing is it it's really not the writing um and the well we already is. we already identified that the script is bad yeah it really isn't though like and so yeah. when i'm thinking about it now i'm like oh maybe this was the final draft maybe Could've this been. was what they yeah, landed on <laughs> um weird fucking movie it is it, man it's uh that ending is is bizarre. It really is. Um when you really step back from it, it's like what the what the it's, fuck a, it's are an we odd doing it's here? an odd message. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He should have stripped naked and lit himself on fire. Yeah, yeah, like bug. Yeah. Spoilers yeah, for bug. Both movies end with a fucking with a, with house the ma- going with, up in with, flames. With the male protagonist blowing himself up. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's weirdly similar movies. Bug and yeah, the Burbs. Bug and the Burbs. B words. Yeah, I'm gonna make a video essay about this. The Bergs. Um, the Berg for the Bergs. Yeah, Listen, the Berg. we're uh, we're out of stuff to are, say. I think. Okay, that's what I was, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Uh, Vincent, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, always always good to go back and talk about the Burbs. You know, watch it again. It's just yeah, like it's breeze, really delight breeze. It. Um, splash was, around in 1989 again for a bit yeah hell yeah also when cory feldman goes we should i'm ordering a pizza i was like there's that ninja turtle yeah. like that's uh, oh man yeah you there's are that a ninja twerp. turtle yeah like i feel like this was the movie that someone watched and they were like oh we have to give him a ninja turtle um because my god that voice um this yeah. is through our patreon what were you gonna say <laughs> i was just, i think it was just because he was a teen star at the time that they could get yeah but yeah. yeah but that is some ninja turtle that is the ninja turtle last thing to say for sure um our patreon patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed g-a-m-e-f-u-l-l-y unemployed um that's what this was through we have a tier where you can have custom we just watch episodes we also watch movies with our patrons we also we just sure for do. five dollars a month we have exclusive podcasts tom and jeff watch batman fox Mulder's a maniac and then we, with the small beans, we do Star Trek, the next Futurama, and Spielboys, mm. all available, $5 a month. Check it out. You'll love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, al- we also have a store. Head over to GameFlyUnemployed.com where you can find a link to our Teespring store. We have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs. So you can get on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, posters, all sorts of things. So slap your little neighbor spying peepers onto that. Yeah. Um, don't, trust, don't trust Whitey. Definitely not. Certainly not suburban Whitey. No. Don't. 